My name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! Hello and welcome back to the KingCast. My name is Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. This is a very special episode of the show. We are recording this kind of far in advance, but we are planning for this one to be our big Halloween week episode. We know that a lot of our listeners, probably like us, are feeling a little bit down about the fact that we're not going to be able to celebrate Halloween this year as we usually do, which is handing out treats for the children and uh, egging Dean Koontz's house. And so we wanted to do something special for our listeners. And to that end, we have brought back the guest for our most popular episode ever. She is the co-writer of Vault Comics Money Shot and will be best known to our, our listeners as the guest on our Lawnmower Man episode, which ran pretty early in the KingCast's run. She is also to our Twitter users in the audience, the uh, the lady that's always giving Scott Derrickson a hard time about the fact that his house burned down. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the KingCast stage, Mrs. Mrs. Ms. Sarah Beatty. <laughs> Hello, boys. Yes, I'm not married. Please. Yes. <laughs> never. Probably never will be, but. Not yet. This might be your year. It's it's kind of everybody's year, isn't it? Ah, uh, yeah. I'm going to find that uh, great, wonderful Trump supporter, I'm sure. <laughs> Why not hold out for being, you know, Mrs. Trump, you know, what, the fifth or sixth Mrs. Trump? Oh, Why hold out for think- a supporter? You mean like, you know, actually marry Trump? Yeah, I'm totally down for that. Don't don't get me excited. That that would that's a dream that I'm 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 longing to just have come true one day. <laughs> Sarah, I'm curious, are you trying to are you trying to navigate dating during COVID times? No, I gave up. I absolutely, I absolutely gave up on dating right now. I'm just like, you know what? I just I just want to be alone. <laughs> Right. I'm fine. Well, it's like I've realized like how horrible the world is even more so than I did before. <laughs> so it's sort of like, I'll t- I don't know. I'll take a break or I'll just be single forever. It's fine. Well, I have I have single friends that are, you know, lady single friends. And every once in a while, one of them will mention something like being on Bumble or some shit. Um, uh, and I'm like, why the fuck are you e-? like, why? Why on earth would you even be spending time on this right now? But I guess, you know. Yeah, you could have online relationships right now. I guess that's probably what a lot of people are doing. And I don't recommend that to anyone because I've had a few and they're just horrible. They're just absolutely yeah. horrible. It does yeah, seem destined date. to fail. Like it just explode in your face at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Dating under any normal circumstances is uh, is a hellscape anyway. Uh, uh-huh. Doing it now is... Uh, I, I couldn't couldn't imagine. I mean, I, I'm a single guy, and I've been doing the online dating thing for the last few years, and and it's awkward <laughs> and awful, and and sucks, I'm and so I haven't had a great experience with it. But I can't even imagine like even opening up an OK Cupid or a Bumble right now. Like it just doesn't. It, I, I can't. I can't imagine it. You know, I, everybody's just putting a pin in 2020. Yeah, everything's on pause. Everything. The last, the last time, and the only time I ever opened Tinder, I like immediately closed it and honestly thought about killing myself. <laughs> so <I'm> like, <laughs> just briefly, just briefly, but I was like, this is never going to happen. So, 
deleting the app. Like I might as well cash in my chips now because this is not. Yeah, I was worried there'd be residue from the app like left on my phone after I deleted it. I felt so dirty. (laughs) There's a bunch of very not there's not attractive men on uh, dating, (laughs) and I mean personality wise, pretty much. Uh, we are taking on a uh, an unusual. Speaking of unusual relationships, uh, topic today, <laughs> in that we are Great not. Segue. We are yeah. Thank you. That's my that was my big motherfucker gag. This isn't <laughs> this isn't a normal episode of the show. We're going to release it as a normal episode of the show, but it doesn't really follow the format in that it is not an adaptation. Um, this is uh, one of the few projects that Stephen King wrote specifically for the screen and. Um, it is very troubling. Uh, Sarah, do you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, tell us what the what the title is and give us a very brief overview of it? Oh, of, of what we're, uh, we're speaking of? Oh, Sleepwalkers? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that it's one. A love- oh, yeah. Sleepwalkers. Is, it's, a, it's a lovely, very um, beautiful drama. <laughs> don't leave this up to me. I don't know how to explain it. It's like an acid trip. I don't know. Um, yeah, there's lots of drugs involved. I don't, that's, I don't, I'm still confused by this movie. So, okay. Let's, let's, let's try to, let's just start at the beginning. When were you first victimized by sleepwalkers? It was a rainy night in (laughs) in Hawaii. (laughs) Um, I'm assuming I was very young. I have no idea what age I was because it's kind of like, I just have these like flashing memories. I just remember being terrified of this movie. I think it was on HBO maybe, or my brothers may have rented it. I don't know how I saw it, but I remember being very, very scared. And there were cats and incest. And that's all I remembered. And it turned out to be a very, very different movie upon rewatching it. It's this is true. Incredibly different. Yes. That was that was my experience as well. That I mm-hmm. I saw this on like HBO like way too young. There was, there was a, like a golden age of HBO in the early nineties where they were playing basically the same six movies round the clock. <laughs> Sleepwalkers was one of them. Clue was another one. Uh, mm-hmm. Fuck. What were the other ones? I feel like kindergarten cop might've been on a lot. <laughs> I think like right, right before it, I remember uh, who's Harry Crumb was always oh, yes. in like armed and dangerous is like those two, like John Candy. <laughs> and delirious with John Candy. Yeah. Yep. Like the John Candy trilogy of HBO mid afternoon movies. That's but the one where yeah. he's the writer, right? He's, he's like hit on the head opera. and like becomes mixed up with his own characters or something. Yeah, something like he gets he gets bashed in the head and then wakes up in the soap opera that he's been writing. Or but he realizes that with a typewriter, he can sort of influence the story that's going on around him. It's I have not no very idea good. What you guys are talking about. I just really? have to throw that in. Is this a movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's called Delirious, and no, um, okay. it uses the Prince song as the uh, as the theme, uh, and it's it is not very good. I re- I have a a memory of watching Who's Harry Crumb about seventeen times in like a week, and the only thing that I really remember there's two things I remember from that movie, and it's like a John Goodman or not John Goodman, uh, John Candy's a like a bumbling uh, detective kind, like a Fletch type almost, 
and mm-hmm. he like puts on like all these disguises and shit. And uh, there's this one scene where uh, he, he's looking at a, a girl like at a sauna who's like covered in mud and he's wearing like this crazy fake beard and the beard falls off like right on her crotch. So she's got like this giant like bushy Merkin thing going on the whole scene. I remember that and, you know, the 80s anthem of, you know, I, I need a hero like or it, there's like a big montage cut to that. Uh, but I watched that a lot in like a two week period and I've never seen it since. Yeah, I've never seen it at all, but that's it sounds like it's right up my alley. <laughs> I Need a Hero was also in Short Circuit 2. That was yeah. another HBO one that was on like all the time. Oh, okay. I remember that, seeing that a lot. Yeah, that's the one where Locos kick your ass. I was going to say, that's where Johnny Five joins a gang, Los Locos. And they're serious. You thought MS-13 was bad. Los Locos, they have a robot in their fucking gang. That's serious. I want to like go watch this film now. You haven't seen <laughs> Short, Short Circuit 2? Oh. I know, like, I saw it when I was little, I'm sure of it, but, like, I know who Johnny Five is, but, like, no, all of that, I can't, <laughs> I can't remember any of I'm that. I'm familiar with now Johnny Five, knows, okay? I'm everyone educated. Everyone knows who Johnny Five is. Yeah, I'm not culturally ignorant. Come I'm on. down with it. It's Johnny That's Fine. the sequel where they're like, well, we could, we have like all these main characters. We have like Ali Sheedy. We have Steve Gutenberg. You know what? I think let's do Fisher Stevens as the uh, Indian stereotype as the lead for, for the follow up. <laughs> that was, that was like a thing. In the, that was like a thing in the eighties though. Like these the, like character actors would come in and do like outrageous accents in bit mm-hmm. parts. And then they would end up like, you know, becoming stars over it. That's what happened to Balky. Because he was in Beverly Hills Cop as Serge, yeah. and they fucking built a whole—they built a whole sitcom around it. Like it's just him doing a, a slightly different accent with Marklin Baker for eight or nine seasons or something, and then he went well, on to do they, the Langoliers. Yes, another King connection. Uh, did uh, didn't the like outrageously gay best friend from Mannequin like become the lead of the sequel too? And they like ditched every all the other leads. Like you mean me, shock yeah. Taylor. And yes. I, my, my mannequin knowledge is, is pretty strong. I will have, you know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he's the only returning cast member in mannequin two on the move. Um, and it's like, and Christy Swanson, who is now like a foaming at the mouth, weirdo QAnon supporter or some shit. She's, she's the mannequin. And I don't remember who the dude is. He's no, what, what was the guy in the first one? Anthony, um, not Anthony Andrew Edwards. McCarthy. Andrew McCarthy. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. But yeah, they, Hollywood Montrose was the only one they could get back for the, right. for the sequel on that one. But we are way off course. We are here to talk <laughs> about sleepwalkers. Our, our, our point is the late eighties and early nineties was a really weird fucking time for movies. And there's no better movie to illustrate that than Stephen King's sleepwalkers. Yes. Oh, well done. Well done. Or, or either of the mannequins, frankly, or <laughs> I need to watch the mannequins apparently because I haven't seen them before. Oh my god, you are going to lose your mind for for mannequins. Well, wait, we'll there was you... there a character named Hollywood in that? Yeah, Hollywood Montrose. Ah, uh, there's some there's some guy who would always call me Hollywood because I would always wear sunglasses and I had no idea what that was in reference to. And I think someone said it was from Mannequin. So hmm. hopefully, it that's wasn't a awesome. that's pretty unimaginative, frankly. Is it? Yeah, I think so. do that too. Because when you see it, when you when you watch Mannequin, and I, I I believe you will, 
Um, you will see Hollywood in all his glory. He's very flamboyant. He wears a lot of color. Like the the sunglasses are kind of like the least interesting thing about Hollywood. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. So maybe he was just associating you with like a movie star because you were wearing like sunglasses a lot. Well, no, he was. This was in college, and he was in my in my class. Every time I walk into the classroom, I had sunglasses on and a hoodie because I'm I was trying to avoid boys hitting on me. So I just wanted to get to my classes, and that dude would yell out Hollywood every time I walked in. And I was like, "What the hell is this dude talking about?" I guess better than Unabomber. <laughs> I used to I used to work with a guy uh with a, a a guy and his girlfriend they they all worked together this was in like some bar or restaurant or whatever and she just ran his show like you would not believe like would dictate what he would have for lunch and what he drank and all that shit and it was just like it was very funny so th- the phrase like yeah she runs his show became so prevalent that people started calling this guy kid showbiz and eventually he asked about it and was like, what does everyone keep calling me kids showbiz? And it was like, cause dude, you look like a movie star. And he was like, Oh, okay. And he totally fucking bought it. But so, <laughs> sorry to that man. But that's what this story reminds me of. I don't think it was, I don't think it was Hollywood Montrose. I think they just were, this was a, a very unimaginative person that was associating sunglasses with movie stars. And, you know, yeah, he didn't seem that. Proud. I don't even think he got through the class. Actually. Now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> and now he's the uh, Secretary of Defense. Oh, yeah. I'm just- <laughs> so Sleepwalkers, this is the first thing that King wrote specifically for the screen, or as the poster said, specifically for the screen. A little play on words for <laughs> you there. That's something to, to take home for later. Can I um, butt in real quick? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A really interesting bit of trivia here is that this is not the first thing he wrote for the screen, but it's the first, specifically for the screen, but it's the first one to actually get made. He wrote uh, a script in the early 80s that I'm dying to get my hands on called The Shotgunners, which Sam Peckinpah oh, yes. was going to make. That's true. And and uh, he ended up turning that, like, a decade later, he readapted that script into The Regulators. So, like, the regulators began life as a Sam Peckinpah late career, you know, early 80s Sam Peckinpah movie that Stephen King, you know, uh, that was a Stephen King original. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Like, and and for that for that story, which really comes back to uh, an autistic kid is sort of causing this, assuming that that was also like sort of the the twist in the shotgunners. I have to assume that was not handled uh, with tact at the time that King wrote it in like the early eighties. Cause even, even the version that the, the Bachman version in the, in the early nineties is a little uh, questionable. I think my wife who works with special needs kids would probably take issue with, uh, with that one. But, mm-hmm. but yes, I would like to, I definitely would like to read that. If anyone listening has a copy of the shotgunners or if, Sam Peckinpah's ghost is listening to this. Uh, please, please send us a copy of that. But uh, Columbia Pictures, they owned this script and they wanted a guy named Rupert Wainwright, who at the time was a like big time music video uh, director to direct it. One of several claims to fame was that he directed the the video for um, Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him. Or is it Hammer Time? I forget the name of the fucking song now, but he directed that, whatever it is. And I think it's please, please hammer, don't hurt him. I think that's please hammer, don't hurt him. Yes. Well, 
he did not get the job. Stephen King was like, no. I've seen this, the work of this other guy. His name is Mick Garris. He directed Critters 2 and <laughs> Psycho 4. Um, and he was a big fan of those. And he's like, I think you should bring this guy in. And King at the time, he could throw his weight around enough. And it could, you know, obviously he still could to to demand what the who the director was. And um, and so Mick Garris got the job. And my theory on that is that King saw something in Mick Garris's work in the relationship between Norman Bates and his mom that maybe he thought that would translate over to Sleepwalkers, which is really a story about a cat mom and a cat son who are banging and they have to eat virgins to survive. That's the yeah. sort of the elevator pitch on that one. Yeah, no, there's certainly a, a, a Mick Garris horror incest thread that you can weave between Psycho 4, which I think is a kind of an underrated movie. I think the Psycho franchise as a whole is very underrated. Like Psycho 2 <laughs> is one of the best horror sequels ever and, and nobody gives it any credit. Really? Um, I've never seen really. any of those. I, it just oh seemed- my God. The, I was going to say Psycho 2 is great because Norman Bates is the victim through the whole thing. He he's, this is like 30 years later, he gets out of the insane asylum. All he wants to do is live a normal life and people won't let him. I hesitate to spoil it too much, but it is a, a almost 40 year old movie. So, you know, this well, is obviously he's got to start stabbing motherfuckers again. You know, they push, he, they push brain. it. They, they break him. Like he, he is kind of mentally healed. He has figured out, you know, his life and he's trying to make amends and he just wants to be this, like, I think he's working as a cook, you know, at, at the diner or something like all he's just wanting to live his life. And uh, the families of some of his victims are like trying to drive him crazy again. Like that's their revenge on him. And they, they, they succeed and fucking create a monster again. It is, it is such a great angle for a horror sequel. I think psycho four was like a made for HBO kind of thing. It was a TV movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like a T early TV cable thing, um, which is, it, it is the wizard of glass. There were wizard in glass of uh, psycho <laughs> movies. Cause that's, uh, that's Norman Bates is like calling into a, uh, like a hotline, like a late night talk show thing and talking about his, his backstory. So most of it's a flashback between young Norman Bates and, and his mom. Yeah. Hmm. Sarah, what's your level of experience with the, the psycho franchise? Um, the first one, I think is the only one I've seen. <laughs> so I'm just, see, see what I mean? you know, quietly listening and absorbing all of this. I you I think you both would love the psycho movies and the third one's just like bonkers crazy. So Well, I don't think it's out I, I think it's fair that you know, you would see a movie like Psycho and be like, no, this absolutely doesn't need a sequel and I certainly don't need three of them. You 100%. Know? Like so I don't think it's unreasonable that like Sarah and I have not seen the other the other psycho. <laughs> no, no, these but, shouldn't be good. Yeah. The, the, these should be like the children of the corn sequels. Like no, nobody asked for them. Who is this for? But, uh, but they all work. They all work in their own way. Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to watch them. It's like, I feel like I have to because I'm <laughs> such a horror buff. And it's like, I feel like, God, I haven't seen these movies. I'm a horrible horror fan. But then I'm like, do I really want to watch like children of the corn eight or something? I don't even know. Nope. Not no. really. Well, th- those are barely movies. Definitely watch uh, Psycho Two, uh, and like if you feel the need to explore further, then great. But Psycho Two is a, is a great sequel. Wait, I have a question though. Are all the Psycho movies? Is it Norman Bates is the antagonist, or do they change? Uh, up? Yes, the well, he's he's the antagonist for 
the third one like full out but like i said in the second one he's actually kind of the victim he's the he's a good guy yeah, in the second one the, yeah but he turns into the bad guy right oh yeah oh yeah no there's full on dressing up his mother and 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 it's gory as fuck like in or the great early 80s like mm-hmm. savini era yeah. of gore too so effects. oh yeah yeah i'm i'm all for that that's Go your ahead. homework watch psycho 2 well since I, you're well I, since yes, you're well versed in the psycho franchise uh eric what it, how, where do you stand on uh psycho 4 the the movie that got king's attention in the first place i don't think it it's um it, it's definitely step down. It, well, here, here's the thing is I actually like it a lot, but it's a step down production value wise because it is a made for cable movie mm-hmm. in, in right. an era, you know, where that wasn't given the same kind of treatment as, uh, as feature films were. Um, but Henry Thomas plays young Norman Bates and Olivia Hussey is, is young Norma, his mom. What? And, and listen, when you, when you see that, you're like, well, of course, if my mom was Olivia Hussey, I'd want to bang her too. So it's like, like, I, 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 <laughs> what? I you know, I, I, I kind of get it, but, um, I haven't watched it recently, but that was another one that I watched like a lot. That was another cable mainstay in the, the early nineties, um, but yeah, no, I think that like, as we, you know, this whole <laughs> tangent, psycho tangent we've gone on <laughs> um, uh, is going back to your original point that I guarantee you King saw Psycho 4 and was like, here's a guy who handled this weird incestuous mother-son relationship movie, because that is the focus of the movie. It's it's like Norman's obsession over his mother and and how that yeah. began at an early age. And and it's like, of course, there's a direct line from from there to Sleepwalkers. And a lot of the early McGarris stuff is is really kind of goofy and bonkers. Uh, uh, Critters 2 is another example, which is another super fun, you know, weird movie. And, uh, you know, I think after he did The Stand, he kind of became more serious minded within the genre. And I think his stuff since then has kind of lost that that fun, wacky flair. I got to say, when I revisited Sleepwalkers for this, like I... I, I even uh, DM'd you. I'm like, I think I love this movie now. I I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It is so weird to have that opinion because for so long, even back then, I thought Sleepwalkers was kind of a a misfire movie. But like revisiting it now, it is super entertaining. Like every five minutes, something bad shit crazy happens. You know, I don't know. I, I have an appreciation for for those kind of movies. That is true. You did do that, and it's also true that I immediately ran to Sarah. As soon as you DM me that and said, Eric said he loves sleepwalkers. Like, because <laughs> yeah. I think we were all like watching it in the same 24 hour period or something. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I was, I was blown away. I mean, she, it's, it's funny. I say people ask me what my favorite movie is and I always say showgirls and they always laugh, <laughs> but I'm serious. Yeah. I love that movie. I've never gotten sick of watching it. It's like on and I will watch it and I laugh and I love it. And I think that like sleepwalkers might be like, like at the same level of like showgirls for me right now. Cause it's just so good. Yes. <laughs> you know, what's the word for that when a movie is so bad that it's good. There's like, it's lightning in a bottle, but it would only work. Like if you watch, I don't think if you watched it at the time it came out, it would have had that, you know, magical quality. Right. No, I don't definitely. know how, but, I don't really remember the early nineties, but <laughs> I'm assuming that people weren't like that crazy. So I mean, I don't know if it would have worked when it came out or if it just works now. Like I don't, is it 30 years later? It did but all right not- at the box office when it came out. Did it? Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, like maybe- it opened at number one. It doubled its its budget. You know, I'm sure in the years since that it's added to that with rentals and you know, um, following probably. Yeah, home video purchases and and what have you. But it is far more entertaining than it was to me as a kid. I don't think I really appreciated everything it was doing. And I I certainly didn't appreciate the tone of it or like didn't really understand. I just Mm -hmm. I I, I was too young, I think, to really absorb what was going on. Even the the shit with the mom and the son. Right. Which is like one of the only two things I remembered about it. It was like there's cat people and the guy fucks his mom. That's pretty much all I remembered about the movie. (laughs) And and so to rewatch it now, I was shocked all over. I was shocked by how many famous people are in it. And there's like this, you know, there's a. A, a couple of scenes where like all these fucking horror luminaries show up, like Clive Barker's in it and um, uh, Toby Hooper, uh, Toby Hooper and uh, John Landis who appears in the movie, but does not get anyone killed on set. As far as I can tell. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, Max. Um, but it's, Oh yeah. Wait, how dare you? I'm a huge fan of his sons, <laughs> <laughs> but it worked on me much differently this time. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to keep making sleepwalkers jokes, but honestly, I had a fucking blast watching it. When, exactly. When we watched exactly. it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, this isn't like Bad King where it's, or Bad King adaptations, or so we, we've hit a, you know, we've covered a, a lot of iffier titles in, in the recent months. You know, we, we've done the Langoliers adaptation, we've done Tommyknockers, we've done Dreamcatcher. You know, it's like we, we've covered all these really like, oofy misfires like oof you watch it you're like oh fuck man oof it's a misfire this one is just fucking crazy to me that there's a there's a difference in entertainment value there's a difference in uh, the filmmakers achieving what they set out to do so you know i'm not i don't really uh you know sign up for that uh, so bad it's good thing like to, to me the definition of a bad movie is the filmmaker missing their mark they're trying to make mm-hmm. something crazy and it mm. and it's just boring or it's mediocre or it's terrible uh the room is a great example that is a legit bad movie that's not what what tommy was was trying to make the reason the, the room is so fucking funny is because he thinks he's making an oscar movie and yeah. and it is so inept and it doesn't you know reach that height but in truth be told most bad movies are just mediocre they're not actually terrible mm-hmm. The Rocky Horror is another example. People use Rocky Horror as as an example. That's for a not bad remotely movie. a bad movie, though. It's that is exactly the movie they set out to make. Right. Oh yeah, it's art. So Sarah, are you wh- saying are you saying that you think Sleepwalkers is intentionally dark camp, like a comedy, or oh, oh, uh, a million percent? Yeah. So they they did it on purpose. Yeah, it just like Showgirls is intentionally a, a sleaze ball epic, right? Mm-hmm. That that is. The movie that Esther House and and Verhoeven wanted to make, and they succeeded. So okay, it's, so uh, I didn't. I didn't. When I was watching it, I was just thinking everyone was just on so much cocaine that they actually thought they were making a serious <laughs> movie, and it came out like that. That's actually what I was thinking, because, like I said, I don't know what I was like how it was back then. So oh, um, okay, co- so cocaine was definitely involved in in all the projects that we've mentioned. <laughs> but I think the cocaine window. Is like, like in my mind, the cocaine window in Hollywood is like late. I mean, obviously it was taking place in the 60s and 70s, but like for, from my perspective, like growing up, um, late 70s to about 1990 is like peak 
Mm-hmm. We are making decisions based on like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. You watch mm-hmm. that movie and you can practically taste the Coke coming off the screen. Mm-hmm. You know, right. um, uh, Tango and Cash. Or... Tango and Cash. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my it. God. I need to see that again. I can't remember it. Um, but I think once you move into the 90s, it's less cokey. I think there's still bad choices being made. But that um, like that obvious. <laughs> what the fuck was Whoa. that noise? I have no idea. Was that a growling cat person? Yeah, Sarah, are you hungry? What What's going on? Oh, that was a motorcycle. Sorry, I didn't know you could hear that. <laughs> um, We're keeping that in, by the way. Wait, what did, what okay. did you hear? So what did it sound like on your end? Like, That's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone just, uh, my window is closed, but someone just drove by on the road on like a little... I don't know. It looked like a motorcycle, but I didn't, I tuned it out. I didn't know you guys could hear that. Sorry. Probably wasn't a Vespa. Uh, Sarah, what's your, what's your favorite? Uh, so bad. It's good movie. Uh, allegedly to use that terminology. Uh, so bad. It's good. Well, like it's like showgirls is always the one that I, I go to, but um, I don't think showgirls is bad though. I don't think that's a bad movie. I, I, he did not intend for it to be, that bad. I think they made exactly the movie they they meant to make in that scenario. I think it's supposed to be an exploitation movie and Mm. that's exactly what it is. And if, uh, Mm. if anyone listening to this is, is doubtful of that, I would recommend a documentary called you don't know me N O M I. Mm. Uh, I caught that at fantastic fest, uh, last year, maybe the year before, but it sort of, it, it sort of focuses showgirls as a, cultural phenomenon and really like lays out every case for or against showgirls. But um, I watched that and it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because you recommended it to me and I like flipped out. I was like, I must see this now. And it did not disappoint. It was wonderful. Oh, it's so good. The only thing that movie that, that doc is missing is more input from Elizabeth Berkeley. Like she sort of shows up at the end in like a live event Mm -hmm. that they do. And it, and it kind of breaks your heart to hear her talk about it. Like how she was, how she was treated in the in the wake of Showgirls, but um, she seems fine though, right? Like mean, she's yeah, she she's, seems fine. You know, yeah, she's all good. And we have this beautiful movie. You know, it's all good. It is. Everything works. I, I I will go to bat for for Showgirls though. I guess that's a good answer though, because most people. Will yeah, I don't know Mac and me. Uh, <laughs> I love Mac and me. Big Mac and me fan over here. <laughs> It's very basic. Like Mac and me has become a thing that like, like, Oh, like troll two or something. But come on, if you watch Mac and me, that is a guaranteed good time. I don't, I don't care how inert <laughs> you are to like the tastes of the internet or, or whatever. But I have a framed poster of Mac and me in my office right now. I know uh, Scott, you're also a connoisseur of, of these titles and uh, you are a giant fan of tiptoes as well. Oh Yes. That's a legit bad movie, like movie that misses its mark completely and, well, and is, is so that, ridiculous. Well, hold on. Is that the movie with Gary Oldman as yep. yep. a, a little uh, person? A shorter person. <laughs> you gotta step you gotta step carefully when talking about tiptoes. <laughs> yes. You'll get canceled in a heartbeat. If you just just okay. describing tiptoes will get um, you canceled these days. Gary Oldman is a fine actor. Next question, please. <laughs> What's crazy Um, about Gary Oldman in that movie is that they don't like the computer trickery they use is literally just wrapping his uh, 
from the knee down, like wrapping that in like green and sieging his, his legs out. And he's walking around like with shoes on his knees kind of thing. He's like, like Dwarfman from Spaceballs. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's right. I, I forgot about that. I think I blocked that. I definitely watched it and it wasn't even that long ago, but I think I blocked it out of my mind (laughs) because I didn't know where to to store it. I didn't know where to put this. Where do I put this? No one knows where to put that. (laughs) But that's, that's like, you know, we're, we're getting really granular here now, but in my mind, there's, uh, there are bad movies and then there's ill-advised movies. Mm, and ill-advised right. movies are the things that I'm very interested in. And the, the mm-hmm. difference is that any movie can be bad, but an entry in ill-advised cinema canon is a movie that starts out with a premise that is f- f- just wrong from the start, such as we're going to do a movie. It's, it's sort of a romantic comedy with Gary Oldman, and he's playing a little person, and we're just going to have him with a whole cast of little people walking around on his knees the whole time that right there. Like it's, it's, it's faulty in the foundations. You know what I'm saying? Mac and me is another entry in ill-advised cinema canon and that they were trying to replicate ET, but, but there's, there's a very subtle difference between just a flat out bad, poorly made movie. That's just kind of unremarkable. And one that's like from the get go, they were fucking up. And it's miraculous that they even made a movie in the process. Mm-hmm. Sleepwalkers isn't quite like that because it's it's got all the things that you would need for a movie. It's just it makes some weird choices like like with the, the mom son relationship. And well, I guess that's it, really. And then tonally, I guess it's it's sort of weird because it, it they're right. so the, the characters are so sympathetic. They constantly make them you feel bad for them while they're just doing all this horrible shit. And that's like it was very confusing for me on that aspect because it's like, you know, the mom's last words were like, you know, my son he killed my son or something like that. And it was like you still feel mm-hmm. bad for her. And it was interesting that they wrote them like that. And like now I'm just confused. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question. Do y'all think, well, first of all, are you, are, are y'all cat people or dog people? Who wants to go first? I'll do it. Get it out of the way. Any uh, eagle eared listeners might have uh, picked up from time to time. My cats being assholes in the background. Um, I grew up a dog person. I love dogs. My mom was a cat person, but she was also like a, just an overall animal lover. So when I found a stray dog in a, like a stray puppy in a parking lot and brought <laughs> brought him home. Like she was like, Nope, absolutely not. And then of course I knew her and within a day, you know, she was like, all right, he's ours now. I was a dog person as a kid. And, uh, but because of working as a blogger for so long, I was traveling a lot and I wanted a pet, but I knew I couldn't have a dog because you, you can't leave dogs for, extended periods of time right. you know you need dogs need that interaction they you know not just a friend that'll come and feed them once a day or whatever while you're out of town and cats are more lone wolves i guess uh which is a horrible metaphor when i'm talking about how unlike dogs they are mm-hmm. um <laughs> spectacular <laughs> failure there but yeah yeah no i think uh like my my logic is falling in on itself but my my point is that that was my thinking, and I, I got again. It was a stray. The day that my my dog, uh, my childhood dog, passed away, a, a kitten walked up, or like a stray kitten walked up to me when I was outside my house. So it was almost like a sign of, like, okay, th- this is this is it. And um, since then, I've I've had 
Only cats. So I would, I guess, classify myself as a cat person now, even though I love dogs. Sarah? Hmm. That's a very complicated answer. I love them both equally. <laughs> I don't really. Well, no, it's like what you said. It's the same thing. It's cats are low maintenance. Dogs are high maintenance. It's just like, what do you have time for? And for me, you know, obviously low maintenance is better when you're doing a bunch of other shit in your life. But um, I would, if I had a choice, I would prefer to have no pets whatsoever because you, everyone has been through it, the, the pet death. And right. it's something that you just have to live with. Once you get an animal, you're just going to be like, you know, I'm going to watch you die horribly. I can't wait. So it's like, I'm just not, not going to mess around with pets for a while. <laughs> I'm like, I'm kind of over it. But yeah, I think I would, I'm just in the middle. Maybe, you know, I probably lean more dog. Because, you know, cats like to bite, fuck you up, as you can see in this movie. <laughs> yes, cats are definitely more independent. And it's true that they require less hour-to-hour management than a dog. I have, well, I'm allergic to cats. And I, I lived with a girl once who really wanted to get a cat. And I was like, but I'm allergic to cats. Like, that's going to fuck me up. She's like, yeah, but we should get a cat. And, you know, like, wasn't really hearing me on it. And then one day she just came home with a cat and um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. And it was just like, well, you're going to get used to this. And like, we were, we were dating. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to end the relationship over it. So it was like, I would have, I would have been like out of here. <laughs> well, That's this is like my cat. early twenties and I was just really happy to be getting laid on the regular. You know, I didn't want, you should have been like that, that cat's your boyfriend now. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that cat was an asshole though. Uh, that cat, which we named red rum, by the way, it would do a thing where it would like get up in our uh, closet and you know, the, if you walked into the closet, there was like a row of shelves right when you walked in immediately to the right. And uh, this cat would get up like three or four shelves up like to about eye level to where you are when you walked in and just wait there. And then if you walked in the closet, it would fucking hit you in the face. Like, bam. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Red Rum did that shit to me all the time. And also this cat was big as shit. It was like a panther, you know? So it was like, look, I, I mean, I don't know if you, if y'all have ever been punched in the face, but it like will fuck it, it. Like it throws off your center of balance. And like, suddenly the whole world is like, sort of like spinning around getting punched by Red Rum. Wasn't quite like taking a, a fist to the face, but it was kind of close. Cause you were never expecting it. You're going in there to get like a dress shirt for work or some shit. And bam, it would fucking, it would hit you. <laughs> so I didn't have a great experience with cats, uh, but I, but I do love dogs. I was, I was going to roll out some sort of bullshit theory about how maybe cat people like sleepwalkers more than non-cat people. But I, I don't think that's, mm -hmm. I don't think we have I proved that in this discussion. So I'm not going to mention no. that. I think uh, there's also an evolution to look at because I, I've seen, my theory, based wholly on just some publicity photos that I've seen of Stephen King around this time, is that he was a cat person. Uh, he, he, there's photos of him with like cats at his house. There's photos he fucking. Uh, there's a cat through throughout Cat's Eye that's like the main hero of that, and that's all Stephen King stories. I have a theory that he was a cat person, uh, and now he is a dog person because he's got his Molly, the thing of great evil or whatever he calls her. Mm. You know the the corgi. His corgi now is like. So that. he's a dog person. Now something happened where Stephen King went from being a cat person to a dog person and maybe sleepwalkers is him working that out. 
Hmm. Fuck cats. That's that should actually be the name of the movie. The title. <laughs> Maybe it was like you know in the working when they were in production. It was called Fuck Cats. <laughs> fuck cats. <laughs> well, fuck fuck big hairless alien naked squirrel looking cats. I think is. The... I don't. What were they? It was never explained. It's still driving me crazy because I just rewatched right. it again. And when he did the face morph, the first thing he turns into is a toddler. Right. You notice that. <laughs> Yeah, that was the that was watched that. I did some research on this show before we recorded it, and uh, the the baby or the toddler that appears in his face is like the 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 son of like somebody on the FX team or some shit like that. It looked like Anakin Skywalker, (laughs) (laughs) like Jake Lloyd, like like tiny. (laughs) Why why did they do that to me? It's like in my mind now. Uh, I would like to clear the floor at this point uh, for Sarah yes. to present her what? theory on on cat's eye oh. as it relates to this movie. This is very good. I thought you were going to ask me to take my top off, and I was like, "There's this isn't video, dude." No one can see it. Yeah, that's, that's the only <laughs> fans. Like, no, I'm actually I'm completely naked right now. I should probably point that out. Same. Um, yeah, <laughs> naked sleepwalkers. What did you ask me? I'm sorry. Um, oh, cat's eye. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. You know, when I start talking about nudity, I'm just like, what? Oh, okay. Back to. You've got the whole listenership all horned up now. No one's even going to yeah. listen to what you're saying. Okay. This is, this is, but, but go ahead. Everyone, go get, go your, ahead. get your dicks in your hands and, and get ready for me to talk about cat's eye. <laughs> <laughs> ready? Go. As my now. grandmother used to say. <laughs> And here we go. So in Cat's Eye, I've only seen was is it a movie or is it a short? Um it's a movie. I know it's okay, it's so it's a whole movie, right? Because I can't I should have rewatched it. But um it's a little goblin like thing that goes and like sucks the essence out of it's Drew Barrymore, correct? And just like the sleepwalkers do in this film, and then a cat comes and kills it, and they're just like it's the same almost like mythos or like I I don't know if they're the same type of species or maybe that's where the idea originated from or it's just a very similar circumstance in the king universe that it's a great (laughs) observation i i would have lost my shit if at the end instead of morphing into big naked squirrels they morphed into like little teeny tiny trolls and ran chase people through like tom and jerry style they had to fucking chase them in the like mouse holes in the wall and shit. <laughs> with, the, with the Barney Five cops chasing right. after them. And one of them's Ron Perlman. He still gets his fingers bitten off, but uh but <laughs> this time like, it's a tiny troll. I do like the little goblin guy in Cat's Eye though. I like his look. He's red. He's got a little he's got a little hood. He's got little boots. You I know? gotta go him. He's got a little. Yeah, he's dagger. got bells, jingly bells. Yeah, he's got jingly bells. Is he, is he like Christmassy? Wait, what's going on? <laughs> well, I wouldn't say Christmassy, but I would say festive. Yeah, jester like. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, he's a, I'm he's a little goblin with some pizzazz, you know. Yeah, but he's, he's not like, actually. As we're talking about this, he's not stealing the. Is he stealing the essence? And yes. The cat, yes, he's stealing the essence, and the cat is protecting. 
the little the, girl. Red, the I can't remember. Girl. Does does doesn't he go to her mouth and like and like an energy comes out of her and it goes into his mouth, right? Yep, exactly the same as, as Sleepwalkers. It's exactly the same. Yeah, it, it's a it's a play on the the old wives' tale of cats. You know, you weren't supposed to sleep in the same room as a cat or let your children sleep in the same room as a cat because the cat would steal their their breath. I think was the really. The, yeah, and I guess that was how they explained crib death or something back in the olden days. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> oh, but, but it's God. like a, a an old uh, urban legend, and so I assume that's probably where King was like playing around with that, and he goes, "You know what? That's kind of like vampires." So I'm gonna make a title card for this <laughs> for this movie that says, you know, that these shape shifting werecat people who can make their cars invisible and. Uh, <laughs> and do all sorts of magic shit. Um, you know, they're they're actually kind of vampire things almost. But when he made the car disappear, didn't he just like go to the upside down? That's what I assumed. Because yeah. <laughs> it was uh, like a red, <laughs> there was like a red gel over the camera or something. He was like in a different plane of existence. And I was well, like, oh, that, stranger things. I thought that yeah, was Cat's vision. Like, or Sleepwalker's vision or something. Like, Because the cat could see him. Clovis, the attack cat, saw oh, him, but right. the cop couldn't. Uh, <laughs> and you know how we know is because that is the, the moment that the movie turns to me is that whole chase sequence where this cop's chasing this hot rotting werecat, you know, frat dude. And uh, uh, and he like makes his car disappear uh, and the cop pulls over. It's like looking for him and the cat's looking at him and you get this like red vision of the cat and mm-hmm. he's staring down this cat and the cat knows he's there. And it was like pawing the air, trying to get, you know, his cop best friend to look at, look in the direction. And then, and then the main guy just screams at the camera. Stop looking at me, you fucking cat. <laughs> 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 which he could scream he, and the cop wouldn't hear him i don't know quite how that works but uh, I, I thought that too when he yelled i was like wait so he is, that means he's in a parallel dimension or something if the cop can't hear him but then the cat can yeah, see yeah. him so it's like what are, i need some rules here guys like <laughs> <laughs> what's the structure of this these powers you uh, but but that I mean that that speaks some to something interesting about the movie it, it starts off fairly grounded in a way um as grounded as a movie like this can start off there's a little prologue where or mark hamill makes a cameo appearance and uh and you kind of get the aftermath of whatever the previous things that these people these this uh, mother-son team has done and that aftermath involves a whole bunch of dead cats hanging from trees um like and, <laughs> Correct. Yeah, gory wind chimes, and uh, that Mark Hamill and his uh, early '90s mustache have to uh, uh, react to for five minutes, and then it becomes kind of this, you know, almost like meet cute rom com thing, mm-hmm. and it and it and it makes me wonder if the original intent was to not make it obvious that the mother and son were as fucked up as they were um, at the beginning because they, they do a lot of things to hide what's going on. Like the mother keeps asking the son of this girl he's interested. Is she nice? And we come to find out that means, is she a virgin? And because if she's a virgin, we can eat her. Right. And, uh, and, and so they're doing all these like things throughout where it's like, that's way more subtle and, you know, trying to take your time and misdirect than anything that happens in the second half of the movie. So like, it, it just makes me wonder like what the development on this was. Yeah, maybe they were just trying to make you comfortable, even though it was still weird because there's still incest going on and cats and stuff. But like, and then they just wanted to just 
shock you out of your comfort zone with the second yeah. act. I, I'm assuming, I don't know. You know, I can't even begin to understand <laughs> how I wrote this. I don't know why I'm trying to make the effort into understanding it. There's another thing that happens in this movie that I think is interesting, wherein... <laughs> um, just just one, one other more. thing in this movie I'd like to point out that I think is interesting. Sorry, go ahead. I'm, I really want to know what this could be. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. And it's going to be interesting. You're going to like this. There's a scene where a cop gets killed with a cob of corn. Right. Mm. And as you do. As you do. And what's weird about this is this is, by my estimation, one of many instances of corn being a harbinger of bad tidings in in the King cinematic universe. For instance, Secret Window, Secret Garden. You know, the guy kills his wife. He gets obsessed with corn somehow. I forget why he even gets obsessed with the corn, but like the movie ends with him like noisily and very messily eating a cup of corn. Johnny Depp yeah. with it all stuck in his teeth and shit. Like gross. But <laughs> but that happens. And then and then there's children of the corn, right? Quite famously. And now we have another instance of this in Sleepwalkers where a man in a kitchen who could be killed by any device in that kitchen, including knives, forks. Um, He's a buff police officer. I think it's important that you point that out. Okay. Well, a man of authority, <laughs> a government agent, is uh, is killed. I mean, he, he, he can defend himself if he wanted to. He's trained. But well, Yeah, but he's like, he's 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 all into that meal at that point. You know, he's like slurping down his like baked beans and whatever the fuck else is on that plate. And he goes through multiple ears of corn. Yeah. He goes through one ear of corn and then the next one comes out and he ends up getting betrayed by the corn stabbed in the, in the back of the neck by it. So my point is like, does Stephen King have a weird thing with corn? Do we think that's possible? I maybe. Perhaps I always thought of Troll Two because of the there, wasn't there the popcorn scene in Troll Two? Oh yeah, weren't yeah. they like eating corn or eating popcorn and then like he dies from popcorn? Well, he gets so horny because of the corn that the trailer that the dude is in fills with popcorn, which, as you know, is interchangeable with an ear of corn. But that has nothing to do with Steve. We can't. We can't. Yeah. Steven. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just saying that's that's when I saw that scene happen that, that I thought of Troll Two and the second. You know, it's they they missed a great pun though with that joke. They should have said corn. On, they should have said corn on the cop. Frankly, they should have said <laughs> corn on the. Cop. I like it. They should have said corn on the cop. There are so many great little like poke like you know, punny little jokes and stuff in the, in the movie that I really love the one-liners. And I was like, they missed a great one there with porn on the cop. Yeah. They, they give Alice Krieg a whole bunch of like Schwarzenegger style one-liners oh, yeah. in the last act of this movie. Dead silence. One. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Moving everyone, on. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, everyone was waiting to fill in that gap and it did not happen. <laughs> and speaking of Alice Krieg though, like, this this cast is kind of great, We're filled with people who are like that guy kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite in there is uh, Glenn Shaddix, who's Otho from Beetlejuice. Otho. And, Otho. and and he is he is like the one guy in town that isn't buying, you know, this handsome young student, you know, in his class is bullshit. Like for whatever reason, from the well, I think they kind of point out like there's like one moment where the the main kid, the main werecat kid. 
like kind of shows him up a little bit in class. And like from that moment, I was like, oh, oh yeah, I'm going to look into your backstory now, motherfucker. You just yeah, transferred yeah. into this class. And then he tries and, to uh, angrily and- jerk him off. Yeah, I was going to say, and then there's like a weird, like, uh, I'm glad you were going to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was like, I found you out and he's going to blackmail you for like, I don't have any money. I just have this car is what he says. Like, oh, there are other ways. And you're just like, wait, whoa, fucking hold your role there. Otho. Yeah. He like, he like lunges for his crotch practically. And also isn't his character's name, Mr. Phallus. Did anyone else hear that? Or was it just me? I, I Mr. hear Phallus. Phallos. Fallows. See, that's me. Yeah, I knew it was me. <laughs> although, although, like that's that's interesting. Like, because I I wonder, like, it, it could be intended to to sound, sound like Fallows. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but he true. does he he does try to grab that kid's junk while he's in the. Oh yeah, the he car. goes straight for it and loses his hand for the for the attempt yeah so but let that be a lesson to you to him as he's running <laughs> right with one hand and why, why isn't he died there's like three instances in this film where people with who have actually should be very very dead are still up and around and talking oh with those hand and the pencil and the guy's head and what was the third yeah. one there was another one but yeah i'm like well, you should be dead <laughs> why are you still alive well, yeah, the main kid himself like gets like his eye gouged out, and uh, it was like well, a, he has superpowers. A, I'm assuming. Yeah, some other uh, actors I want to point out real quick: the parents of the main girl, uh, whose name I still don't know how to pronounce, <laughs> Machin Amick, Amick. Yeah, uh, the girl from uh, Sally Machin. from uh, Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and you know she is the main girl. Uh, she's actually pretty awesome in the movie. I think she's really great in this uh, film, like giving it her all. But her parents are played by Ferris Bueller's parents, yeah. the same mom and dad who were actual an actual couple in real life. Sarah, I think you have a good theory on this one. Yes, they divorced in 1992, and I think this movie caused them to oh no divorce. They met. They met on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean, that's when they, they <laughs> met and got married, and then they did Sleepwalkers together, and then they got divorced like right after it or when it was released. What so, other conclusion can we draw? I think that's just amazing. Sleepwalkers shattered this marriage. <laughs> it was definitely a hardship. I think we should, you know, there's some dead air here right now, but I think maybe we would all do well to take a few minutes to just think about that and <laughs> think about whether Sleepwalkers was worth it to destroy this otherwise perfect marriage. I don't think the movie destroyed this marriage, but maybe it didn't help. Who knows? Maybe this was a bridge too far. Yeah. So what's next? Do we want to, I think it would be interesting to bring up the lore of this movie is that these incredibly powerful shapeshifters have all but been eliminated because there's so many goddamn cats in the world now and yeah. that cats are their kryptonite. I do think that's <laughs> weird. They're Why all powerful. Without cats. Why don't they just, I keep thinking of signs. What's that, like the it. North pole. Well, I mean, I'm sure there are places without cats. I mean, somewhere on the planet, I don't know. I know, Scott's but they house but it, in the North Pole. <laughs> but if they if they go to a, if they go to like an island or the North Pole, I mean, you've been to an island. You've been to the North Pole. There's hardly any versions there. And then what? Oh. What are they going to? Then what are they going to eat? You know, there are definitely no virgins in Hawaii. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so do we think? 
between the cat's eye segment with Drew Barrymore and this that Stephen King believes that cats are around to protect virgin girls? Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I'm holding man. my face in my hand. You can't see it, but yeah. <laughs> this whole this virgin. whole idea about the virgin energy thing. I don't I don't like this. And this was I get was, I get so angry. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead, actually. I I, I want you, you to leave this one. Well, no, like this was this was something we talked about when we were both watching it. And I th- I think you should lead this discussion. Yes, it's a it's a horrible trope. I mean, it's been like they kind of like diffused it a bit, like they did that in Scream, right? When the when the survivor girl, she wasn't a virgin with um, what's her face, fucking face, uh, Neff Campbell, <laughs> Neff Campbell, Campbell yeah. Right. Um, and like they've done that in a few movies and made fun of it and stuff like that. But like it's still like there's a long going tradition that if you're a virgin girl, like you are pure and therefore have like some sort of magical power to like you know that that you know us girls who like dick, you know, we, we don't have anymore because, you know, mm-hmm. we're normal or, or whatnot. And so that's why like the evil, whatever monster, whatever wants, you know, that power that she possesses kind of thing. And it's such a bad message and it's so fucked up. It's like, it just, it's, it makes me angry every time I know it's based in religion and marriage and all that. Um, yeah, it's gotta be religion, right? It's so it's such like an infantilized notion to have, like, you know, the idea that like a, a char- like a female character might wander into a story and the other characters like she knows how to fuck. Get her out of here. It's <laughs> like, like, yeah. so fucking crazy. <laughs> like, like what? Like there's, there's <laughs> something there's something sinister about it. Like, you know, yeah, I, like, I, yeah. she knows her way around a dick. Get her out. Get her out of here. And we also don't know. Does this does this count butt stuff? We don't know. Oh, that's true. The butt stuff, yeah. and also you know, riding horses or bicycles or you know, falling on a fence. Can do <laughs> yes, you can fall on a fence. I don't know. <laughs> Why I, am I thinking that? Jesus, know where that came from? I was playing leapfrog with a fire hydrant. Some shit went wrong. <laughs> But now I know that the sleepwalkers aren't after me accident. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of on this rewatch. I was kind of wondering if it, like, cause my memory of the end <laughs> was very uh, hazy to say the least. And um, I was wondering if they were going to go with uh, the whole angle of they, he spent all this time sure that this bubbly vivacious, like super full of life and adorable, you know, teenage girl, uh, who was a virgin and then they uh, I thought like maybe they were going to go the route where they try to train her life essence she's like no of course I fucked you know or whatever <laughs> um, it's it's attack that they do in like monster squad where they need the virgin to to cast the the spell to send all the monsters back and and they they go through that whole thing only to That's find funny. out where the girl's not a virgin she's like well just Steve but he doesn't count and, uh, <laughs> oh I forgot about that and, all that and that's a great well and the other one what's the other it's the one the Udo Kier has that amazing line in uh, Andy Warhol's Dracula where he needs desperately to drink the blood of virgins and everybody he, he bites is, is a non-virgin and it like it makes him puke up blood every time he does it it makes him weaker and weaker and he has this great line where he just goes the blood of these hoes is killing me <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> I was wondering if they were going to go if they were going to go in that that direction with this. 
You oh, do well, I, see, well, I, no, that's how we can spin it, though, because like the whores actually kill the bad guys while right. the virgins get preyed upon. So, you know, girls, if you're listening to this, go out there and get some dick and then kill some monsters. Mm-hmm. Be, <laughs> become your own Van Helsing. There you go. <laughs> get that dick. I haven't seen Andy War- Warhol's Dracula, and I did not know Udo was in it. But I, yeah, I, he's Dracula. I had no fucking idea. Like I have not, yeah. I have not seen that. Uh, I interviewed him a couple of years ago and that is one of the best interviews I've ever had. That guy is a fucking <laughs> live wire. Like he's the, he's exactly like who you would, would want him to be. Like he was telling me, uh, I was like, Oh, so have you been to uh, Austin before? And he's like, yes, I come to Austin all the time. And and I was like, oh well, what are you what are you done since you've been here? And he's like, oh, well, the last time the last time we went here, we we had some barbecue and it was delicious. And I was like, oh really? Like you like barbecue? And he said, yes. I said, uh, well, where do you live? And he said, like somewhere like out in the hills in California or something. And I was like, but you can get barbecue, uh, you know, whenever you want while you're here. And he was like, I can get barbecue whenever I please. I'm I'm Udo, you know, like or some shit. <laughs> And I asked, I I also asked him, I was like, uh, do ever, like, do people ever, you know, meet you and they're, you know, intimidated by you because you always, you know, play these sort of evil characters. He's like, the women always come up to me and they say, Udo, you are so evil. (laughs) (laughs) And I like almost pissed my pants laughing at this. (laughs) He's like, he's like such a, he's like a tiny little guy, but he's like radiating this fucking uh power and and sort of charisma euro sleaze yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's like oh, he's I, would, I would totally fall for that probably constantly <laughs> shiny like he's not sweaty but he's shiny like it's yeah it's fucking wild man yeah if uh if you ever get a chance to meet udo kair i i highly recommend it it's good Thank shit you, yeah i'll, yeah. I'll, take, I'll, take, I'll take that I'll very put in, I'll, I'll put in a good word for you sarah thanks We've been talking for over an hour about sleepwalkers. I'm not sure we've gotten anywhere, but um, <laughs> do we have anything else we want to add to this? Um, I'd like to point out that when uh, Stephen King's cameo, he his lines are literally, I'm not going to take the rap for this. It's not my fault. And that <laughs> is obviously intentional. He says it like three times. He goes to each like, cameo, like Toby Hooper or whoever is there, and tells it's not my fault, I swear. And it's like, okay. I love, it. I love it. It's very self-referential there. I didn't even make that connection, but that's good. Yeah, I did. I did the second time. I watched this movie three times. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's a fun I, movie. I enjoyed, it. I enjoyed it every time, and I caught something new. The toddler head being the one that scared me the most, actually, <laughs> on the third viewing. I was. I think I screamed, what the fuck, when I saw that. I think we'd be remiss to wrap up without kind of giving Dan Martin a shout out. He played the deputy uh, Simpson that has the cat. Uh, oh. And he, he's the one who also sings inappropriate songs to himself while chasing speeders. <laughs> My favorite um, song in the world. One called Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> there comes Johnny with his pecker in his hand. He's a one ball man and he's off to the rodeo. <laughs> You know, there's there's poetry. I have it in that. memorized. I have it memorized. The song is great. There's just something incredible to me about his character introduction, where you've established that in this world, cats are the only thing that can kill these 
amazing supernatural creatures that are preying upon this town. And so, of course, as you do, as a cop, you are sitting there playing with a cat in your car, your pet cat that has a, a collar that says Clovis the Attack Cat on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, of course. Because, you know, yes, why not? Uh, but the fact, the weird thing, though, is, is that he's not in the movie for very long. Uh, and yet, like, he, him and his relationship with his cat is kind is kind of touching. Like, the cat actually cares about him when when uh, he gets taken out and like it kind of heartbreakingly like goes and rests on his dead body's chest and actually hurt i was like having so much fun with the movie and then like this cat is sad i was like fuck you movie (laughs) like i don't need this right now and you get really sad you feel really bad for the, the cat and i was like this movie's weird and if you shift point of view for if if they had done this, it would have been the most amazing fucking thing ever. But if they had shifted point of view to the cat, the whole back half of the movie isn't about like, you know, the main girl trying to, you know, survive being attacked by this family. It becomes a revenge story where this cat's just trying to kill the things that killed it, its best friend. That would have been amazing. Uh, the whole third, like the whole third act was like, I'm going right. to revenge my friend. Yeah, there's. Yeah, there, there's an Ar- Ar- Argento <laughs> movie called Phenomena, uh, which has a similar thing where Donald Pleasance has a pet chimp and Donald Pleasance gets killed by the Jallo like, you know, killer. And the chimp is the one that comes in at the end of the day with a razor blade to fucking exact revenge. And it what? is the most fucking bonkers fucking thing. It is the craziest thing. It is such a this whole this whole movie, or this whole episode's me just recommending really bonkers uh, 80s cinema it sounds yeah, like it's, it's reminding you of all these other films that's what i was doing too i was like this well, is like this and this is like that yeah i'm thinking about it in terms of that's the unofficial sequel to lawnmower man like maybe the mm. chimp from the opening <laughs> of lawnmower man got out of there out of his weapon x helmet got a blade and started fucking dudes <laughs> up dude. he was buried in the pet cemetery and came back <laughs> oh god yeah, y'all thought it was Dark Tower that tied all this shit together. No, it's the monkey from Lawnmower Man. It's VR monkey. I feel like I had a thing I wanted to talk about here, and now I can't remember it, and that's going to drive me crazy. Get your shit together. I know. Jeez. It's a so disaster. What's going on? Why am I here? I can't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember now. And it's, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, there was there was like one other thing. Fuck, what was it? Oh, I know what it was. Okay, so the the thing with, you know, when you when you ultimately see the sleepwalkers in their in their native state, which mm. I have seen described as like cat lizard people, uh wear cats and just straight up cat people, uh depending and naked on naked squirrels. Depending Giant on naked squirrels. Sure. <laughs> uh depending on whose uh interpretation you're reading. The thing was that was not the original design that they had for the sleepwalkers. The, the original design they had was not finished. And so they, they had to do something else on the fly, basically. And what I learned is that the original Sleepwalkers designs were later used in the Langoliers on that production. That it was, it was uh, somebody, somebody involved with the effects work or something was like, okay, well, we're not going to be able to finish these suits in time. But we really like them. And uh, so the the way the sleepwalkers were in, originally intended to look is how they actually look in the Langoliers, which, as we've all learned, was very unfortunate. 
they, they were they were floating meatballs with the uh, metal teeth. Oh, not Langoliers, <laughs> Tommy Knockers. I keep doing Tommy Knockers. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I was confused too. I was like, Wait, you guys like. <laughs> I have been doing that since the very beginning. Like, Langoliers on the brain, dude. We well, we did an episode with um, oh, David Ferrier on on Tommy Knockers, and um, when I was like, well, when I initially contacted him about it and was like, hey, will you come on the show? He's like, fuck yeah, I'll come on the show. Uh, I and I want um. The Tommy Knockers and I, he said the Tommy Knockers and I thought Langoliers. And so we were going back and forth in like text messages or whatever. <laughs> and, fucking, and I was like making Balky jokes and shit. And eventually he was like, no, I'm like, like, actually, he didn't even point it out to me. I found it out the next day. I like looked up the conversation we had and I realized, oh, he's talking about the, uh, the other one. So I have a weird thing where I keep getting those two confused. But either way. Both terrible designs. Uh, Langoliers <laughs> is particularly bad, but uh, Tommy Knockers is is uh, what I meant. That that's how the uh, creatures in Sleepwalkers were originally intended to look. Which, which, by the way, that's just a rip off of what the um, oh here it is again. I'm making a reference to another '80s movie. But by then, that, that, that's right. a rip off three. Of, Give it to me. Do it. it, it it's a, it's a rip off of the gate. The little fucking stop motion. Mm-hmm. Creatures from the gate. Oh shit! Yeah, (laughs) that's Dante, right? Dante did the gate. No, who did the gate? Uh, I don't know. Some somebody, some guy. Did the gate some dude? Yes. (laughs) Once again, following the the grand eighties trope of of spinning off the sequel with the best friend. It's like the the weird nerdy best friend is is the lead of the sequel and he's like trying to run a cult or something out of his his college dorm i like i don't i don't remember and which that one was played had like by, a um, melted dog in the bed wasn't there like a melted dog in a bed which one that, had that, that was the gate that was the first gate yeah okay so that's the one i've seen okay go on <laughs> continue <laughs> <laughs> i think i must know which one had the melted dog <laughs> the melted dog yeah, that one also has little baby Steven Dorf uh, as the lead, and he uh, has an eyeball in his hand at some point and stabs it with a piece of glass. It's it's a pretty good movie. Hmm. Well, check that out. And uh, also Mannequin 2 on the move. That's what you've learned on, on this episode of the show. I think that brings us to our conclusion. Uh, Sarah, can you, can you tease whatever you're working on right now or um, whatever you're up to? I can't, I have a bunch of stuff coming out, but I can't, it hasn't been announced yet. So I well, can't remember really we're, we're recording this way in advance. Will that be around? I know, but what if like, what if it doesn't go through yet or anything, but, um, well, I have more comics coming. I'll just say it vaguely like that. Um, and some other projects, but, um, sorry, I was swallowing. Um, if you have <laughs> I was going to make a very dirty joke there. And now nope. <laughs> I'm being good. <laughs> I don't know how to talk her. <laughs> oh, fuck. I just bit yes. my tongue so hard. All right. Okay. So I co-write a comic book called Money Shot. You should check that out. Where I just finished writing issue 11 with Tim Seeley. And you can find me on Twitter under Nacho Sarah. And I also have Instagram Instagram account called, you know, under Nacho Sarah. Um, that's it. <laughs> 
So I, I do have one question before we leave, and that is when you are watching the news today and you see California's on fire, are your eyes just wide with anticipation? Oh, the second, uh, the second it happens every year. Uh, uh, like, uh, oh, yeah, the first, the very first fire, the very first cinder in California. I'm just like glued to the television. I'm watching, waiting. You're like, is it near Scott Derrickson's house? Yeah, I'm waiting for Scott Derrickson's house to burn down again. He like he doesn't even know how like really in tune I am to all those wildfires. Just, just very. Are you setting those wildfires? <laughs> it was gonna be at a certain point, you're just like, you're contacting someone on the dark web to be like, I need you to go to this house now. I got a fucking, I got a great Twitter bit I want to do. And it, I can't do it until it's. Look, I really, I really want to make fun of this guy for his house burning down again. Please, someone go. <laughs> no, it's better than losing everything you had in the fire. Losing it all again. <laughs> Losing it all over again. He's prepared himself, I'm sure, for the jokes. Yeah, he's ready. He's ready. <laughs> he knows it's going to happen again. Well, thank you for having me. By the yes, way, and you. thank you for joining us, and especially on this, our, our Halloween week episode. Um, oh, I hope it was spooky enough. Did we make it spooky? Do we need to insert some spook in at the last second well, and make it super spooky? Well, we we've certainly, or at least I I have certainly given people a Halloween's list of, of more movies to watch. I don't know why this episode has turned into me fucking recommending obscure weird eighties shit. But you I'm, know, there I'm you go. going to watch Short Circuit. I I, I am. I'm going to watch Short Circuit two specifically though. And um, is it better Man than the first one? It's it's <laughs> it's a completely different thing. It's um. Uh, I would watch. I would watch both of the 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 short circuit duology. I would I would Is recommend. It sad? Wait, I don't want to watch anything. Depressing. Well, Johnny Five gets fucked up at shit. a certain point. I don't want. Like, I don't want to see that happen. They fuck him up with like crowbars or some shit, and it's like what? really upsetting. Yeah, but then he comes back and he's got like. Is he like, okay? Yeah, and he's got like a bullet thing across his okay. chest, and he's like he's badass because he joined the gang. And yeah, he's got a a robot mohawk. Yeah, he has a robot mohawk. It's pretty he's cool. alive. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny Five, Five is, is alive. alive. Yeah, I <laughs> Jinx. The fucking nerds. Look at us nerds. God damn it. Johnny Five is alive. I you guys. Yeah. Frankly, I baited you. Yeah, we should. <laughs> <Perfectly>. <laughs> it's like get yeah, getting getting dunked on. We're used to it. Good baiting. Good baiting. That was that was master baiting, in fact. <laughs> Okay. Oh, so we'll wrap right, on, on that, that note. note. Yeah. Just, I'm <laughs> oh my it God. Over here. We're drinking each other all over the place. Yeah. Happy Halloween, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Many thanks to Sarah Beatty for an yet another lively episode. Always yes. look forward to, to her appearances on the show. A delight. Always happy to have Sarah on the show. Yeah. We've got to find another uh, quasi horny, weird Stephen King movie. Specifically from 1992, because that's two in a row now um, for <laughs> for her to take on uh, next time. Yeah, the the year might be tough, but uh, weirdly horny Stephen King stories are a plenty. Maybe we'll get her back for Gerald's game at some point. All right, so we have a whole bunch of things. This is a busy week. It's the week of Halloween, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, we can't let that pass without. You know, totally uh, overexerting ourselves. So we have a whole bunch of stuff lined up for you this week. Scott, do you want to tell them what uh, next main feed episode is next Wednesday? 
Yes. Next Wednesday, we are maintaining the feline theme that we established in today's episode with Cat's Eye. Uh, it's a Stephen King anthology movie made by the same guy that did uh, Cujo. And uh, we had quite a time revisiting this one. It was not the movie that I remembered it to be uh, the last time I saw it. And we had brought on a very funny, very entertaining guest for that episode. Well, he he went all in on it. He really brought the goods and it's it's a very entertaining episode. I'll say that. Right. He's a big Stephen King fan. He's mm-hmm. an actor. We can mm-hmm. say that. Yes. You'd probably he, recognize he his acted face. in one of the what would you say prestige dramas of the past 20 years? One of the most popular shows, and we can say that. Yes. Oh, yeah. The golden age of television was brought in part to you by the guests on next week's episode of the Kingcast, <laughs> and we've got him talking about cat's eye of all things. So uh, that's very exciting. I actually had a lot of fun revisiting this. This was a a big movie for me in my childhood, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so it was interesting going back and rewatching it. it. It's a good episode, solid episode. There's disagreements on which segment is best. Uh, it's a, it's a lively one. It's a good one. And then. Uh, because it is Halloween week and we're doing special announcements all the live long day, all <laughs> week long. Um, we are dropping a, a surprise episode into the into the main feed tomorrow. Are we not, Eric? We are indeed following in the footsteps of Stephen Weber and Thomas Jane. We have an interview with another Stephen King star, and that is Miss D. Wallace. Mm-hmm. So we uh, dropped this on our Patreon what about a month ago? So they our pat- yes. patrons got to listen to it a month early, and everybody else because it's Halloween week, and you know we want to be festive and celebrate. Everybody else is gonna be able to listen to this super insightful, very oddly emotional. Uh, she talks a lot about her relationship with her husband, and she talks pretty much pretty in depth about what she went through when he passed away while she was filming the Frighteners and. I wasn't expecting her to go that deep. I thought we were going to have a lot of fun and laughs talking about guys in dog suits and <laughs> and stuff. But, you know, Dee's uh, a, a very eloquent, great speaker with tons of stories. And it is it is a lovely episode. It may, it may not be as uh, gonzo uh, insane as uh, the Tom Jane episode was, but like what could what be? could be. Yes, exactly. She's a, a but, lot of fun to talk to, though. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a great chat, and uh, it is a very worthy Halloween chat. So that will be in our main feed uh, tomorrow. It should automatically arrive in your your podcatcher of choice. Correct. And then on Friday on the KingCast Patreon page, which is patreon.com backslash the KingCast, uh, we are dropping a bonus episode that will remain exclusive to uh, the Patreon about Stephen King's endings. It kind of starts as a discussion really about revival. So if you haven't read revival, well, you better read it before Friday or don't listen to this episode until you do, because we're going to spoil the ending of revival, but we're kind of pitting that ending against pet cemeteries ending and another, uh, a number of other Stephen King endings. It's sort of an all inclusive discussion about the endings of Stephen King. And our guest on that episode is a former colleague of mine from Birth Movies Death, Mr. Evan Sadoff, who just finished reading uh, Revival. So he had some uh, he had some very strong opinions about it. And we look forward to sharing that with you on on Friday. But that's not where our week ends. We've still got more on Saturday. Tell them about Saturday, Eric. 
Oh man, so Saturday is Halloween, uh, and it is going to go down in history books for two reasons. One, because COVID ruined all of our good time, mm-hmm. and they ruined our Halloween that's on a Saturday during a full moon. It's beautiful here in Austin. It would be nice, crisp weather, clear skies. This would have been the best Halloween ever, and uh, you know, a bunch of people who want to go get their nails done and go eat at Applebee's uh, have uh, made it impossible for us to fully enjoy it so that'll be Mm -hmm. one one of the things that history will look back on this day as the other will be your stuttering hosts talking to one mr greg nicotero doing a version of our show on shutter we are taking part in a discussion with greg nicotero as part of shutter fest's series of panels is that is that right yeah there yeah shutter is doing a a day-long series of panels and screenings and appearances from uh, horror luminaries, and we were very honored to be asked uh, to come in and and interview Greg Nicotero. It is essentially a pre-taped slash live uh, video recording of the show, so you'll hear us get to you know go deep with with Greg on you know the Stephen King adaptations he's worked on, which range from the animated version of Survivor Type that he's got coming uh, to Shutter to his work on on the the raft on creep show too. And he gets like granular about how they achieved the effects in that. It's really cool. And he's, he's a blast to talk to. He's a a fucking living visual effects. God. The only downside is that if you watch it, you are going to have to see us talk and we apologize in advance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did not put my uh, Mohawk up for the occasion. So uh, (laughs) please do not be concerned when you see what that looks like down. My head is shaved. Most of the way, except for the Mohawk, but it's down. So I've got like a weird sort of, I don't know. It looks like a Hitler youth thing to me that I'm not entirely comfortable with, but I can't, I can't wear the hair up and also wear headphones at the same time. So that was the, uh, that was the compromise we made. You look beautiful, Scott. Don't let anybody tell you different, any different. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, that's a packed week. We know we just gave you guys a ton of info, uh, but as always, if you don't want to take take notes and add all that stuff into your calendar, I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that, but if you are the weirdo that doesn't want to do that, make sure to follow us on Twitter at KingCast19, and we will make sure to update as uh, these different various crazy, <laughs> uh, busy week that we have uh, all these events uh, hit. And also... Join the KingCast Patreon because um, we like to uh, be able to pay our bills. So that should uh, be it, right, Scott? And I think this is our time to say goodbye, yeah? It is. It is. Uh, Until next week, everyone. Yeah, we'll see you next week for Cat's Eye. (laughs) 